This is an ABA podcast with two BAs and, and no BS. This is two BAs on a pod. So this is episode one for two BAs on a pod. Yay, I'm so um, excited. We're really, I know we're really excited, really nervous. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of my fa- all of my favorite podcasters are embarrassed of their first episode. So I'm just gonna <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna feel like it's gonna be a work in progress. So Right. No, for sure. I feel like I always hear that too on different podcasts I listen mm-hmm. to. Like they go back and listen to their first ones and they're like, What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's why I feel about everything is like you're going to be probably shitty at first and then you just – You learn. It'll be more natural eventually. Yeah. Yeah, We learn. So this episode is brought to you by Objective Outcomes. If you're tired of fad diets, yo-yo dieting, and quick fixes that don't last, you should start a sustainable behavior-based personal training that is primed for lifelong changes to promote a healthier lifestyle. You can find us at objectiveoutcomesaba.com. Also, if you are seeking remote supervision and interested in the application of ABA in health, sports, and fitness, we offer supervision for unrestricted hours, monthly group supervision where you can meet others on the same track as you. You can find more at objectiveoutcomesaba.com. Okay, so we are going to start with our question. Uh, so every every podcast, we're going to ask each other what's our EO and what's our AO. So those in ABA should know what motivating operations, what that means. Um, Ashley, do you want to explain what EO is? Yeah. So I'll just explain it as if I was explaining it to someone who didn't know it at all. So an EO is basically what are we, what's in the environment that's strengthening that MO, that motivating operation that's keeping us going, um, that's keeping us motivated. A lot of times it can be natural, but sometimes it also can be contrived so we can create it. Yeah. So yeah. So your your EO, your establishing operation just basically means that um, it is making that reinforcer more valuable. So or the punisher, the reinforcer or punisher more valuable. So whatever you are like working towards, if it's a check, if Mm -hmm. it's towards that, like your fitness goals, um, for us, it's like getting this podcast out would be a re- would be reinforcing for us. So that is the reinforcer, but the EO is like the environmental variable that can strengthen that or weaken it. Um, so that's EO. And then do you want to explain AO? Yeah. So AO is your abolishing operation. So think of EO and then the complete opposite. So what's happening that is kind of abolishing or ruining that MO for you, not making you want to keep going, not making that reinforcement strong or appealing in any way possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, just making it. it, So one is making the reinforcer stronger and one is making the reinforcer not as strong, not as powerful. Right. Um, So what is your EO for the week, Ashley? Okay. So um, I thought about it for a little bit, but I think if you follow me on Instagram – you already know that my EO for the week is that I have nine days left of grad school. So that is like what is Yay. keeping. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, that's I kind know, of. I bet. Oh, it's, it felt like forever. But that's really my EO probably for this week and next week, honestly, just because it's nine days away. And that's really what's keeping me going. <laughs> what about you? So my EO, I kind of similar is like I have a lot of exciting things like this today. I was super excited to do this. Um, Our first 
podcast recording. Um, I'm super excited because we already have two guests for our podcast. So that's really like Mm -hmm. motivating to keep going. Um, I have uh, the foundation fitness program I have starting next Monday. And, you know, I just have a lot of exciting dates. So that gives me all those reinforcers are available. Well, like podcasting, whatever, but having those dates set, it's making it more valuable. Right. So that is definitely like keeping me going this week. And uh, what's your AO this week? My AO for this week is kind of certain private events that I'm struggling with at the moment, which are um, I have a, like an ever-ending to-do list with like homework and data mm-hmm. and grading and spring break is coming up. So um, I feel like that never-ending to-do list plus preparing everything to just be done with school and then getting thinking about all the future things of like preparing to submit my application to the board and getting all of my hours organized like all of these things are just kind of like stressors that are just creating like some private events that I'm battling with which if you are an ABA you know what private events are but if you're not or if you're new to the field private events are basically our thoughts our internal behavior that we think and feel every single day um, so they're usually more private that's why we call them private events but it really just is your thoughts. That's basically it. Um, And I've just been battling with a lot of that. So that would be my AO. We are like on the same like wavelength because (laughs) that's the same with me. Like I, my AO this week is having like just too much stuff to do, which is like related to all of the projects that I have going on. But it's like, have you know what uh, paralysis by analysis is? No. (laughs) It's basically like you don't do nothing because you have too much to do. Oh, so you just and get, that's like, how I'm stuck. St- you're yeah. stuck. You're stuck because you're you're just looking at your to do list. So you just like right. don't do anything, and that's been kind of what I've been doing all week. <laughs> like I have all like I have just like you a big checklist to like to check off, but right, it's just so much. I don't know where to start. But I, it's so funny because we're both procrastinators. Like we both admit that, but we always get our shit done, right? So it's like reinforced. The procrastination's always reinforced because I always, I'm good at give me a deadline, I'll hit it, but I will procrastinate to the very last date. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm the same way. That's my that's my EO is just get. I have so much work to do that it's just overwhelming. Right. For sure. That's I know. <laughs> no, I know. We really are like that. Like to the fullest yeah so if you struggle with that you are not alone (laughs) yeah and it's like I've heard like procrastination is caused by like failure to succeed like that's that's what you told me before yeah (laughs) but I'm like I don't think like behaviorally I think I'm just being reinforced every time I procrastinate because I meet the deadline and that's just like why that behavior is maintained um but yeah I need to decrease the latency for sure (laughs) no I (laughs) agree these projects I do I agree cool okay so that was our question we're going to be asking each other each week um for this episode we just wanted to do like a brief introduction on like who we are how we got in the field um what we're passionate about like why are we even doing this podcast um so that's going to be what we're going to do next um and then we're going to do talk about applications of ABA in other fields and just a little more about ABA in general, the reputation and the importance of disseminating just like how we're doing right now is trying to spread 
spread the word of ABA around and not just only to our little field um, and to just general population. I think it's needed. Right. So we can get started. And the last thing what we're going to do is the task analysis breakdown, which each episode we want to take some terms from the task analysis. So if you are studying for the exam or you just want to learn more about ABA, um, at the end of each episode, we will be uh, taking turns from the task analysis and dissecting it. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. Okay, so how I got in the field, um, I was telling Ashley last time we were talking because <laughs> I actually got in the field because I was looking for a job on, on Craigslist. Um, I Yeah, it's so funny. So, so I crazy moved from, to me. <laughs> yeah, that's how actually I found that like a lot of work was through Craigslist. I even found a um, room for rent through Craigslist and it was pretty crazy. That's wow. like for another story though. <laughs> I trust so Craigslist a lot. That's great. So I'm actually from like a small town and then I moved to a big city, Long Beach. And when I moved here, I didn't have a job. So I needed a job. I did like bartending, waitressing, but I was going to uh, finish my AA in psych. So I just kind of wanted like a big girl job. Right. So I went to Craigslist because that's what one does, I guess. I don't know. That's what I did. I didn't go to ZipRecruiter or Indeed. Indeed. I went to Craigslist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I think that's just like that small girl mentality because I think Craigslist is a little more popular in smaller cities versus a big city. Right. So I think that's why I did it. But um. I went to Craigslist. I found this like ad. It said like job description working with kids. Um, It said like degree in psychology preferable, but not required. You just need like a high school diploma. So I I fit all that criteria. And I remember when they called me and they asked me about my experience. I'm like, yeah, I used to babysit my little (laughs) siblings. Like that was like to the extent of I had working with kids. Right. And they were told they were totally cool with it. And now that I'm in the field, I mean, like, we are in desperate need of, need of staff. So now I'm like, okay, the entry level. It's pretty entry level. But I went to the interview, got hired, went through a pretty good training process from my first company. They actually had like their own mock RBT exam. Oh, cool. Um, so they wanted – yeah, it was really good training. Um, it was it was two weeks, 40 hours. We were in a like a, I don't know, a clinic, and it was very hands-on. We did a lot of role play. It was really great training. And then we went over like the jargon of ABA, all that. And I passed the exam because you had to pass the exam before you were out on the field. And then, yeah, then then I started there. I was at AST for two and a half years and I loved it. I had great supervisors. Um, I had great progress with my clients. My first client ever I like fell in love with, he, mm-hmm. like such a great match. It's always that one client in the beginning where it's just like they – they take your heart. Right. And that's pretty much how I got in the field was through Craigslist. And then by just falling in love because of great supervisors, great support, great training and having great families. So if it wasn't for those things, I don't think I would have stayed as long as I have. No, that makes sense. How about you? I feel like, oh, I'll go in a second. But I feel like no, um, it's okay. <laughs> I just wanted to add to that because I feel like so many people who are listening will understand that. Like if you don't have a good experience in the beginning, I feel like that's why the turnover rate is so high. Yeah. Because so many people sure. experience bad training or bad supervision, mm-hmm. which for us, we started out with those things strong. So I feel like mm-hmm. that has helped us with like the bad things in the field to be able to overlook it 100%. and like, make change. But um, I mm-hmm. got into the field on accident, which I feel like is such a – 
widespread <laughs> thing. Everybody says that, right? Like, oh, I found it on accident. No one grows up and says, I want to be a behavior analyst when I grow up. Like, no I one. <laughs> that's no, no one, one says that. But I want to change that. I feel like that's the goal. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is the goal. Yeah. Exactly. So I was um, in my undergrad, I studied secondary education and English literature. So secondary ed is like six through 12. And I thought I was going to be a teacher after I changed my major twice at that point. Because at first I was going to be a surgeon and then I was going to be a lawyer. And then I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> not actually. Fuck it, I'll be a teacher. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> so um, I'd been working with kids since I was 18. So it's coming up on eight years. I've done after school care programs. I've done tutoring. I've done substitute teaching. Um, and when I got my first job as an after school care counselor at 18, I really fell in love with working with kids, but I was never a kid's person. So I feel like I suppressed it for so long, but then finally I wound up where I was supposed to be. So I was in like my last semester, I was a manager at a massage envy and I was a substitute (laughs) teacher and I was like exhausted. And then I, um, one of the girls that worked there she was an rbt but she was dealing with issues with her license because she was working at an agency that was under investigation for having like fraudulent bcbas but she didn't know so (laughs) her license is okay now like fast forward for her she's good because it wasn't her fault she genuinely had no idea but because of that her license was like fucked for like over a year and she they were even like about to make her retake the exam it was it was a disaster but she was like going through this whole thing and she was like telling me about it and I was like what the fuck is that job (laughs) like I just never (laughs) it sounds sketch (laughs) like I was like what is that job like how what was this place you worked at like how was that even happening and no one knew about it like I just got so intrigued by this like world that I never like even knew existed and when she explained like what she would do I was like that's what I want to do with kids. Like I didn't know that job existed. That's why I wanted to be a teacher. But mm-hmm. everything that you do is like what I want to do as a teacher. So um, she's like, oh, well, why don't you like get involved? Because like you're about to have your bachelor's. Like you can do this. Like you have the experience. And then eventually if you get your master's, you can just be a BCBA. And like she was like explaining mm-hmm. the whole hierarchy to me. So she actually hooked me up with the agency I work at now because she was going to um, actually get hired by them. And they were going to help her with her license issue. But it got resolved mm-hmm. and she works for a different agency now. And I had amazing training as well. Like mine, mm-hmm. it was like right before COVID hit. So it got extended and then my test date got pushed. Mm-hmm. So um, I was actually like technically their employee for like six months before I could even take my exam and get a client. Right. So that was a shit show. But the training itself was great. And they had a, a, um, a mock exam, but it was like oral. So I had to do like an oral exam mm-hmm. with a BCABA. And that was like great practice too, because I really feel like that mm-hmm. helped me pass the test. And yeah, I just, I've been with them ever since. I've been with them for two years. I really love them a lot. Mm-hmm. I've had amazing supervision. One of my supervisors has been a BCBA for like 12 years. So she's like, I love awesome. being with her. Like she's amazing. Yeah. And um. My first client, though, I actually wasn't that connected to, to be honest. <laughs> and I felt like um, I was so excited. And then I got—I remember getting the call. And it was like a week before my exam day. And the supervisor called me and was like, hey, I have a client for you. It's like 30 hours a week. Um, and I You're want like, you who? to be my therapist. And I was like, 30 hours a week? What? Um, right. Sign me up. Whatever. So Exactly. Um, I was teaching at the time. So I told the school I was at, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not going to come back. I got this client, whatever. I started working with this client and this client had every problem behavior that is in existence. Like he- It's so tough. Every single one, 
that you could work with, he had every single one, <laughs> like non-compliance, tantrum, self-injury, aggression. He was nonverbal. Um, potty training was there. Uh, pica, pica. I, I never remember how mm-hmm. to say it, but he had that. Um, he was dealing with self, inappropriate self-touch because he was only a five-year-old male. So we couldn't start working mm-hmm. on that. So like literally everything, everything. And I had no idea what I was doing. And you're brand new to the field. Brand new because of COVID during my pairing days, I paired with this kid for two weeks, two, two mm-hmm. weeks, mm-hmm. five hour days of pairing. Like Mm-hmm. whatever and that's and long that's long for people that are like long, <laughs> don't know long. that's a lot of pairing a lot but i had to because he had been out mm-hmm. of services for like four months because of covid that's another thing and mm-hmm. he so he was like starting from zero even though he'd been in therapy for like two years at this point like he needed that time and i was fine to do that because pairing is great and i feel like that helps you but it's so needed it was it's un- so, it's so underrated yeah but it was so rough mm-hmm. oh my god and then like my supervisor couldn't be in person with me while I was pairing and meeting Close the COVID. client yeah so it was like through zoom and she was doing mm-hmm. her best like I never felt alone but like it was just a disaster and I feel like a lot yeah. of that I was so nervous and so scared that like I never really connected with that client so that was a struggle yeah. and I, there were so many days where I was like am I like doing the right thing did I pick the right job like I'm not even making that much money I have a whole ass bachelor's degree I could be a teacher right now like what am I doing here mm-hmm. but then I exactly. got I started getting more clients and eventually I got off his case because of scheduling issues like nothing Mm-hmm. bad or anything I never even I didn't choose to drop him it just like worked out that way and that's when I really was like oh I love this and th- and then I yes. started going to grad school and I was like okay this is not just autism I love this even more because there's so much more mm-hmm. you can do with it so um exactly I've had a good experience so far. All of my supervision has been amazing. My clients' families have been amazing. I have one bad story with a client and their family, but that could be another episode. <laughs> yeah. But um, other than that, like it's not just, all. Yeah. Yeah, it's not all perfect all the time. But I've it's had not a, all perfect at all. Yeah, but I have had a really, really good experience overall, and I like to talk mm-hmm. about that because I feel like so many people don't. And it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's really sad. It's, like a, it's a net positive. Yeah, it's a net positive too. And I know – I feel like we're pretty unique in those experiences because I would say majority of people that are fresh on the field don't have great supervision. They don't feel supported. Um, right. They're not the, – one thing I wanted to say too is I wasn't scheduled. I had a client that I saw for like five hours a week. Uh, for about a month. So if oh it God. wasn't for me still doing, uh, I still worked. I had another job. I was mm-hmm. still at, at like bars, bartending, serving. Um, so if it wasn't for me doing my other gigs, I would have not survived. Like I wouldn't have been able to pay rent. I wouldn't right. be able to eat like gas because that is another thing too. It's not, pay, it doesn't pay a lot. And when it comes to cancellations mm. and building a caseload, I think that's another reason why there's such a high turnover rate is like, we got to survive. So if that's, you know, it's, that's another thing that I think the field that we need to handle better, but um, it wasn't all like, yeah, it wasn't all um, unicorns and candy. Like it was, there was some struggles too, but overall I had a really great experience for the first, my first two years in the field. And it sounded like you did too. And that's why we're here. Right. And that's why we're so passionate too, because yeah, most people don't have that type of experience. Uh, I think especially because of the pandemic, um, supervisors not being able to provide in-person support like they they used to. Like it was always right. in-person support. Now it's like telehealth or in-person. 
Um, and then or like having like two week cancellations because of a positive COVID test or mm-hmm. having a week cancellation because of a possible po- positive COVID test. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's been really, really rough. So yeah, I'm happy that we both had good experiences regardless. Yeah. No, me too. It, it makes a difference. No, it really does. And it makes a difference on how you learn, especially if you want to be a BCBA, because obviously some people don't. They want to be RBTs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't want to move up into supervision, which I can totally understand. Mm-hmm. But when you are like aspiring to do that, if you're not getting taught well and you're not getting taught in a way that makes you inspired and love the field, then why would you stay? <laughs> and yeah, as exactly. a supervisor, that's the main job is to be there for your staff and your client. So if you're not getting that, then I just, I feel bad. I feel bad for how many horror stories I hear. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Well, like going on, like our, talking about our own experiences and I had a great agency that I worked with my first, my first agency. I love them. Um, I did take maternity leave when I got pregnant mm-hmm. and I wanted to try a new agency. So I, I found this small agency that it was ran by two BCBAs. It was really small, um, just a handful of BCBAs. And I really enjoyed it. I got to see my BCBAs weekly, if not like twice a week. Um, very supportive. It was great culture. But when the pandemic hit, our little company sold to a big corporation. And this is where I am at now is um, we're now we're a big corporation and my experience is completely different. Right. Um, with the with the corporation and the way their their business model is all about billing. Um, so as as many cases as possible, it's not even about quality. Uh, billing, getting assessments in. And it's like, I don't even understand why we're doing assessments, why we're taking on new clients if we don't even have staff for the current clients that we have. It's just, that's, it's just money though. They want to do these assessments so they can bill insurance and they, it's became this cash cow. um, And it's just not, it does, the culture has totally shifted. And this is kind of the complaints that I've been hearing from other people is that ABA um, and agencies have been turning into kind of like this cash cow system. Right. Um, and that's, and that sucks. Do, have you had those experiences or do you have any stories about that? So my agency is pretty well known. If you're in South Florida, Broward or Dade County, I work for behavior analysis, Inc. I'm not afraid to like say it or anything I have because <laughs> they're just, they're very well known say, here. Say it with pride. Right. Because um, they've been around. <laughs> say it with a chest. Yeah. For I think almost 20 <laughs> years. Um, and they're one of the oldest, I think if not the oldest agency in our area, because so many are shut oh, down. Wow. Um, if you're from South mm-hmm. Florida, again, you know that we're not even legally allowed to open um, new like agencies or clinics in Dade County at all. Um, I think that's even extending to Broward, if I'm not mistaken, but that might not be the case. I just know that for the county I live in, like we're not legally allowed to open agencies because of how bad our Medicaid fraud is here. So they've been around for a while. Yeah. And they go between two counties, but I know that they do have a very long waiting list for clients. So they do put people on waiting lists. So I think that's good. Um, I don't know what it's like to be a, a supervisor for the company because I've only been an RBT there. I, I'm not a BCBA yet, so I don't know what it's like. And But I do know the caseload is heavy because um, a supervisor that I have that I've worked with since she was my first supervisor ever, um, she's expressed to me that she has a lot of clients and it's a lot. Like it's not, it's, mm-hmm. it's very hard for her. Um, 
and not in a bad way because she loves what she does, but it's just overwhelming. Like it's, and they need BCBAs and they need RBTs and they're offering sign on bonuses and all these things because, yep. but I think it's just like our field is not popular it's not it's so small so it's like it's hard because you want to help all these kids and obviously you need the money so like you want to take on these clients but we don't have enough people but then I'm like are they Mm -hmm. wondering like I know that a lot of um the RBTs and all of the BCABAs at my clinic which there's only four of them (laughs) because they don't hire them anymore anywhere um that were like they're all in grad school and collecting hours and I know at least 10 RBTs that work there that are that I've seen in like group supervisions with my supervisors so I'm like I don't know if they're like oh these people are like graduating soon so like we're gonna be okay like we already got 14 people that we know are like (laughs) gonna be BCBAs and soon to be yeah so I don't know but like I don't know how bad it is from that level because I'm not a supervisor, but I do know that we have a a waiting list. I do know that. So, and I know that it's overwhelming for the supervisors that are there. Yeah, it's it's tough because, of course, we want to help as many people, as many kids, teens, adults as possible. Right. And we, we know ABA can help and it, our science is proven. Right. Um, but we have to remember, like, why we're doing this and, like, what effectiveness do we want? Like, we want the client to have most success, not the CEO to get paid. Um, so we have to still keep that in mind. Like, if we can only take on so many clients, then that's unfortunately so be it. That's going to just – rise the demand for BCBAs and RBTs to join the field. And that should make the corporations pay more because you need them. Like it's kind of like we're just not leveraging it at the way it should be leveraged because right. um, it has, it has turned into the, just like how many clients can you take on? Like I have over 40 clients and it's tough. Like I can't get to know all of my clients. It's tough for me to do proper programming, right. proper supervision. That's a lot. And plus I have, yeah. And plus I have this high turnover rate of RBTs. So I'm constantly having to train and retrain on the same case. Um, right. But yeah, so that, I mean, that is really the kind of the issue I have with ABA and kind of why I, I am, I do want to start my own business and I am doing this podcast with Ashley is because we can, we can move our field in a different direction if we spread this message enough that this is not ABA the way the corporations are doing it. That's not they're They're the ones limiting the way we practice ABA, but ABA right. is a science that can be applied um, for everybody, um, for anybody, for all, all behaviors. Um, so if we can spread that message, maybe we can have more BCBAs, you know, not feeling the pressure of just to take on as many cases as possible because they right. know actually what, what their purpose is as a BCBA and yeah. in the field. I also think that how many hours we get approved for affects it too because, I mean, I think some of our kids need it, um, obviously, but, but not of, 40 hours a week. No, like out of every <laughs> other service, like speech, OT, and PT, which is yes. speech, um, occupational therapy, and physical therapy, um, I've had kids who I see for almost 40 hours a week that have speech for 30 yep. minutes a week. I'm like, this kid can't yep. talk. Like, how are you? But then they come to us and they give me a list of things they want me to work on, which is fine. I love that. I want to work together. And I'm like, okay, but 
why are we the only ones getting all these hours? That's weird. And then it's like, maybe if we weren't Mm -hmm. with them that long, we wouldn't have so much pressure and we'd be able to take on more and not feel as overwhelmed. That's very true. And RBTs would have more clients and the pay would even out as well. Because if I had clients for 30 minutes a week, I could have 12 kids. What? Like, and if you crazy. have and, and if you have one client for 30 hours, if that client's sick, that's your 30 hours each week, girl. So yep. yeah, so it, it's there, there's a big flaw in the way it's set up, um the way the way they set it up in our agencies and it's a shame because it's ABA is not that. No. It, ABA is the science that we can use that's effective and proven in, in research and the literature that we can use these different strategies on ourselves, right. with our kids, um, with our my health and fitness clients, which was pretty much what we'll get into today as well, the dissemination of ABA and other, other fields. Um, but it does work with, with kids with autism. Um, it does work with special needs and mm-hmm. it is helpful but we just need to keep remembering the purpose of why we're doing this we're, we're doing this to help the client um not to get the ceo richer like that right. is not our purpose um we we shouldn't feel pressure to take on these clients we shouldn't feel pressure to hit like as a supervisor i have to hit a certain amount of billables each month um so billables is basically the um, hours insurance pay Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are we so dependent on how much insurance pays me? Why isn't my company paying me? Like they right. they are getting paid from insurance, but it's like you guys still make some money. Or if you don't, you guys need to figure out how to be a little more self-sufficient. Right. Um, yeah, it's just it, there's so many flaws. And that's why like all of my clients for my I do personal training um, with, with ABA, the application of ABA and they're all private pay and it's, I'm not getting as many clients cause it's not as easy sell, of but at course. least I'm not like having to worry about what insurance is saying or how many cases I need to take on. It's mm-hmm. at my own pace and I can, I can like dedicate, um, my time, my real time on my clients. So it's, right. it's just a whole different thing, but it's still using ABA. Um, and so I think that's what we need to keep Spreading that message that we can use ABA elsewhere. We don't have to feel like uh, beholden, like we have to go to an agency once we become BCPAs. No, for sure. And I think that's a a great way to like transition into the application of other fields and Mm -hmm. how we want to do that. Because I just think Mm -hmm. that's so important with also the dissemination. If we don't keep disseminating the Mm -hmm. science, it's going to die out (laughs) because... Yep. Obviously, and then the field that we're in, because obviously autism and ABA together are extremely important, and we want to keep that mm-hmm. sector of it alive of as well for the people that are truly passionate about it and want to keep that alive. But there's a lot of changes that need to be made, and then it also needs to be applied in other places too. Because if it's not uh-huh. like, if there's no change made, I don't see how in the next like 50, 70 years, people are going to want to keep doing that job. I just don't. Like, well, imagine imagine if there's so much billing fraud and insurances say, all right, we're going to stop uh, paying for ABA therapy. Right. What's going to happen to the science? If that happened tomorrow and there's so much fraud and insurance stopped paying for us, our field is dead. No, it's true. Um, and that is that is something that's that's not good. Like we should be more, we should be more than just how much insurance pays us like 
that is the point. Like we should be independent from that. Yes, let's keep that sector alive. Yes, families should um, have ABA therapy paid by their insurances if their child has behavioral issues. Absolutely. Um, but we are more than that as a science. Right. And I think there's other areas where insurance could um – cover it as well. Like I have some students, I'm a teacher as well and an RBT. So mm-hmm. I have students that have um, defiance disorder or extreme ADHD mm-hmm. or even dyslexia where I'm like, there's so many times where I'm like, oh my God, I would love to work one-on-one with this kid as like an RBT or as a BCBA because it's like they need it. They need it so much and not even just kids that might have disabilities of any kind or any learning disabilities or anything like that, even neurotypical kids, kids who are honors students or gifted or just in general ed. How many Mm -hmm. students, if you're a teacher, you know that- Me, I could have used it. (laughs) Right. But if you're a teacher, you know you have Mm -hmm. students that are in general ed classes, sometimes even in honors classes, and they do have ADHD. They do have ADD and that's completely fine. That's not like a learning disability. You could be brilliant and have ADHD. You could be brilliant and have autism. How many of For sure. teachers have students who have autism? But like you don't know anything about – we don't know anything about behavior as teachers. We're not taught anything about that. And then it's like mm-hmm. so then how are you keeping the MO high in your classroom? What are you modif- – how are you right. modifying your environment? Any of that type of stuff. There's None of that is going on and it's like it could – it could be <laughs> like no one knows about it. Yeah. And then BCBAs come into schools and teachers are like, fuck off because they're like, who's this person right. with like this master's degree and all these letters. And they took this test and they think that they know everything because our science makes us sound like arrogant assholes. And then these teachers yeah. like hate us. And it's like sad because it's like, no, like you could benefit so much from what we do. Like, right. And, and like, that would be like the district though. I would like the right. district should pay for BCBAs. I think they 100%. do, right? I mean, I've, yeah, I know that in some school districts, yes, I haven't really looked into it where I live. I don't know if they have some, I know that they have speech therapists in OT. So I'm like, why are we not in there too? And that's another thing where I'm like, why we need to connect with these other fields more because they already have their foot in the door. People love speech therapists. People love OT. They are all about it. They want, they say, Oh, I'm, I'm X, Y, and Z's OT. And I'm here for 30 minutes. I need to pull them out. They're like, absolutely. You want to like, let's talk about it. Cool. (laughs) You come in and you're like, hi, um, I'm a BCBA. I'm just going to like sit back here and observe. And they're like, fuck you. (laughs) They like want to die. (laughs) <laughs> I've done this before and I've had many teachers not call me back, right. not want to collaborate, or I have to go through all these these loops and signed waivers and this and that just to go in the class and do observations. So yeah, for sure. We're not as we're not as um I don't trust it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Which it's like, again, applications in other fields. Like not only do we need to do this to be credible in other fields if we want to create ABA in that space, but just to be accepted. Teachers should want us there. Like they should. And so many people of my colleagues, like um, a lot of BCBAs come through my school because I I work for a private school and parents can private pay. So a lot of these kids aren't paying out of pocket with insurance. Their parents pay and they come in and like a lot of the teachers I work with are like, oh, yeah, like the BCBA is coming. And then like once they found out that that's what I was working towards, they were like, you want to do that? And I was like, yeah. And I tell them like what it is. And they're like, oh, that's what you guys do. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on when they come in your classroom? Like, what do you mean? Yes, that's what we do. 
Wait, what do they think that we did? Like, they, what is their teachers what they feel think? like you're we're coming in there to like li- literally just analyze how they teach and tell them everything that they do wrong. I don't mm. know if it's because it's your space, and I don't feel like this, mm-hmm. but I'm also this is only my second year as a teacher. But I feel like they just get very, very territorial over the way that they do things and the way that their mm. classroom is. And to me, I just feel like I, I honestly, and I'm a teacher, so I feel like I can say it. Get over it. Because we can all grow. Every single one of us can grow. Every single one of us can do things better. And maybe it's not better. Maybe it's not even that much different. But maybe it's just something to improve on. Maybe it's just one little thing. Mm -hmm. Today I had a student in my classroom is shared for a period because this woman comes in and she does um, like her study skills class in there. And I have planning. Uh This kid, I had him in my homeroom in the beginning of the year. He has ADHD, but he's in the – he's actually in honors classes because he's not – he doesn't need to be in my classes, my inclusion setting. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know him, and he has ADHD. He has impulse control with talking. I do too. He would not stop talking. He had to take a test, and he just wouldn't stop. Like He was just blurting out the question. He was talking about – this trip that they're about to go on, like he just would not stop. And the t- his teacher was like, shut up. And I got so upset. And so then they all laughed and he laughed and I was like, oh, I'm getting like hot thinking about it. Two minutes, not <laughs> even two minutes go by. I wish I like started taking data. Not even two minutes go by. He blurts something out again. I was like, do you have gum? And he was like, mm-hmm. no, I don't. I was like, come here. Because I had some. I gave it to him. I was like, chew this. If you feel like you're going to talk again, I want you to walk over to me and say what you have to say. And I'm going to give you a paper and I'm going to give you a pen if you keep talking. And instead of saying it out loud, you're going to write down what you're thinking and we could talk about it when your test is over. He did not talk for the rest of the test. And this girl was like, how did you know that? And I was like, he needs something to do with his mouth. Like he needs right. something to do with his mouth because he just cannot stop talking. And I I know that feeling. And I, I told him that I was like, I know what you're feeling right now, but you got you got to pull it together. So take this gum. Yep. And if that doesn't work, we'll figure something else out. If you feel it again mm-hmm. or if it happens again, just walk over and we're going to figure it out. And it's like, right. But if I came in as a BCBA because that person was having that problem, would they have wanted to listen to what I had to say or was she open to it right. because I'm her friend and I work with her and I talk to her every other day. She's in my room. Right. I don't know. Right. Like, well, I didn't think like, of that. And I'm like, <sighs> yeah, it's that, that people don't think the same way. Cause of course with our experience in our education, we're, we're taught these things in school. Right. So it's easier for us. Like it's super objective, like, Oh, replacement behavior, DRI. Like you can't, you can't chew your gum while you're talking or maybe I guess you could, but yeah, it's like, we're going to, yeah, we're going to do some differential reinforcement over here. Like this is pretty obvious for us, but for other people, it may not be because it's just, they don't have that education, that training. Um, But yeah, I understand like how teachers can feel territorial and that's the same way with parents. Parents can also be like not bought in with ABA and they don't want to hear how, basically they don't want us to tell them how to parent. Um, so I can see why teachers don't want us to tell them how to teach, but right. we do need to keep disseminating so we can have our science be more credible so people can actually follow our strategies and techniques and they can use it with their kids. They can use it with their students. Um, and I think it'll just be beneficial all around. Me too. No, I agree. hundred percent. Yeah. But I, other than in the schools, um, or with parents, um, 
I mean, I use, like I said, I've used ABA with my health and fitness clients. Um, you can use it in your relationships. Um, you can use it with your pets. Mm-hmm. What other applications? Um, any relationship. Yeah, I think like any family yeah. dynamics. Um, even dynamics maybe with people at school or people that you work with, people that you have to deal with yes. in public settings. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I would say literally anywhere, anywhere, anywhere you go yeah. that you yep. have to interact with not just people but your environment, you can mm-hmm. use ABA there. Exactly. And it's it's just so – it's so diverse the way we can use it. And I, that's really our – I guess our, our overarching message here today is like if you guys can find one thing that you're super interested in the application with ABA, go for it. Yes. Like I want you to go all out for it so you can do it for the field and you can – we can expand our horizons and not be so dependent and be stuck in this little mm-hmm. hole. Uh, we're digging ourselves into a really big hole right now with our agencies – uh, I know some people listening may have great experience with their AB agencies, but I would say most, <laughs> mm-hmm. most people that I talk to, they don't and they they have shitty experience, at least with one agency, um, and they only stuck around because they're passionate right. um, with, for the field. And that's why we're, we're here. We're so passionate about it, and we see the writing on the wall where it's going. But if we can get more people um, using the science and other applications and finding other people that have similar interests. Like if you're into um, OBM, organizational business management, go for it. Find people, find a little community of people that's into it as well mm-hmm. um, and start a group. If you're into ABA and health and fitness, like DM me, <laughs> like let's let's yeah. talk. If you're into it with with um, adding it to your, your classroom, you know, Ashley's your girl. Yes. So there's, <laughs> there's other ways that we can keep spreading ABA and we can um, – just keep the science alive. That's pretty much our, our message, I guess, today. This is the task analysis breakdown. So we are doing A1, identify the goals of a behavior an- analysis as a science. Okay, so Ashley, I'm going to ask you, but I guess we'll leave like a five-second um, response la- latency. Yeah. What are the three levels of scientific understanding? (laughs) Um, So the three levels of scientific understanding are description, prediction, and control. Okay, cool. So description, prediction, control. So description. Uh, Description is basically being able to describe what happened in very objective and measurable terms. Right. Um, so when you're describing something, you're not going to say like, oh, like, I don't know, that was, it was shocking. He was angry. Um, and my heart shook when he said that. Like, right. <laughs> you're not going to describe an event like that um, in science. For science, you need to be objective and measurable. Um, so it would be like, he said, fuck you, very loud. And uh, <laughs> he slammed the door, um, you know, with with high magnitude. Right. Um, so that is pretty much a description. If you want to explain prediction. Yeah. So prediction is basically our hypothesis, our educated guess. What's going to happen? Um, a lot of times we'll do this after we've already identified the function of a behavior. So say a child is tantruming to gain access to watching TV. So now we're going to implement a treatment plan 
uh, probably functional communication training to maybe help that child communicate what they want to do, possibly even eventually add in no program. So denial being like, nope, we can't watch right now. And then accepting that in a more appropriate way than tantruming. Um, and then we'll predict based off of that, that it's going to work. <laughs> so then yep. we're like, okay, yep. it's going to work out. Yeah. We're predicting, we're predicting if we input this intervention, if we place this variable in this, this kid's programming that we can predict that will reduce the occurrence of yelling or tantrum or whatever. Right. So that's our hypothesis. Um, control, control means a, like, you know, for sure it's reliable every time we, uh, every time the kid is given, I don't know, priming, every time we prime him, Hey, we're going to do homework right now. Mm -hmm. Every time we do that, he is less likely to have a tantrum. Right. Um, because we know that because when we don't prime him, he's going to have a tantrum. So control means that you have experimental control. You know, this intervention, this variable, whatever the IV is going to um, change the whatever we're measuring the tantrum, whatever behavior that we want to increase right. or decrease or, or keep stable. Exactly. Um, so that is the three levels of scientific understanding. Yay. This was so fun. Yay. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that's, that's podcast episode one, a two BAs on a pod. Right. We don't <laughs> even know the name of the episode yet, but you will when, know, you, yeah, when but- you listen. <laughs> My name is Alex and you can find me on Instagram at Objective Outcomes. And I'm Ashley. You can find me on Instagram at Behavior with Ash. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks, guys.